0: Good morning. Great to worship with you. Great to sing those words and have a God that we can believe in. If you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to open it up to Acts chapter 2. And I'm just going to start this morning by sharing a scripture reading. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They, that's the gathering of God's people, all Jesus' first disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could come to this place and that we can worship you, that we can study your word, God, that we can continue to to read the teaching of the apostles and uh, hear what you have to say, that we can fellowship, that we can pray, Lord, that we can take part in some way in what we have just read and God, I thank you that uh, you have provided this place for us to hear. And so, Lord, now as we we gather and we sit, Lord, we just want to hear from you. So, Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? Holy Spirit, would you guide our hearts in the way that we need to turn to respond to you? And God, we just pray that you would be glorified in everything that we do today. So, Jesus, we trust you and we pray this in your powerful name. Amen. You know, gathering around a fire is one of my favorite things to do. Doesn't matter if it's winter, summer, fall, or spring, I'll, I'll gather. If it's raining outside, there's a campfire, I'm there. If it's snowing, I'm there. I'll warm up, stand a little bit closer. I mean, I just love to get together. It doesn't matter what the season is. As long as I can be with family or friends and there's an opportunity to sit and stare at the fire, To socialize with them I'm happy but while every campfire is good there are some campfires that are better than others and the thing that I think makes a difference in whether a campfire is truly great is whether or not people have something to bring I think when everyone brings something to the campfire it makes it even better There's that sort of exciting moment as people start to gather around. Maybe there's a picnic table and one person puts out the s'mores. Then the next person, some chips. Another person, the drinks. Maybe if it's dinner time, some hot dogs or something. And then everyone has a little bit of wood that they're planning on throwing on the fire. When that happens, you know that it's going to be great. You know that it's going to be a good day or night. doesn't matter, but especially a nice night around the fire and I think it's when everyone brings those things that it starts to heighten the sense of community that it starts to heighten the sense of your awareness of one another so that when you sit down in your chair you're not just staring at the fire which is beautiful in itself but it's opened the door for a greater depth of sharing a greater sense of community it's a time and place to laugh and share all sorts of things with one another i always say that it's really good for my heart and soul to have a campfire because it gives me this sense of grounding and peace but it's also something that really energizes me and this campfire feel is what i think the early church experienced in these days that we're reading about The early church gathered after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit had been poured out on all the followers of Jesus, and they began to gather, and each one had something to bring. They all brought not just themselves, but other pieces of the experience so that the campfire of church was built. And as those people poured themselves out for the benefit of others, we see that the flames were fanned sadly though many people today don't really view the church as a campfire in which we have something to bring a lot of people see it a lot more like a buffet we come to this place called church and we see the one that has the nice metal chafing dishes that are serving the right dishes I like that pastor's preaching. That's some pretty good worship. Oh, those people kind of look and act like me. This is the buffet that I'm wanting. And so we come and we take a scoop of all the bits we want until we are stuffed. And then we go. Only to return when we're awoken from our vegetative state by an appetite for a little bit more, but only of what we wanted. I don't think this is how a church is meant to be. And I think, in fact, that when we approach church in this way, we miss out on everything that it could be. The gathering of God's people, whether it's on Sunday in community groups throughout the week or just as we gather with one another, is an opportunity for us to sit and find peace. But it's also an opportunity to gather, to find energy, to carry the light throughout the week. But the only way it will get to be a truly powerful moment is if everyone brings something. Here at Emmanuel, we have started to articulate this value by saying that we value connection over consumption. We genuinely believe that the best way this church can exist is if we all bring before we receive. We truly believe that every single person has been made in God's image, which means that we're built for community and that everyone within the community has a role to bring. We see this in God himself. The God we worship is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the three persons of the godhead all live in perfect community but each one has the role that they play and so as we're modeled after that god god has given us a piece of that to reflect who he truly is now of course none of us in and of ourselves are a trinity we're one person But we have something to bring to his body to reflect more about who he is. But when we fail to bring that forward, when we fail to come and and use the passions, the gifts, the abilities, the life circumstances that God has given to us, we fail to reflect the fire that can be found in the God we worship. A couple months ago, we studied the Sermon on the Mount, and as we looked at that, we looked at how Jesus spoke that if we would live up to the teaching, if we would follow the commands of Jesus, we would see a flourishing people in a flourishing world. But in order to do that, we all have to come with something. Now, sometimes it's difficult to know what our role is in what specific way in which we can play our part but i think that this passage gives us a very helpful outline to begin to think about how we can do this in a sense what we see is that the early followers of jesus each put five different logs on the fire of the early church we say that we see that they did these five things that they acted on the teaching of the apostles, that they fellowshiped together, that they broke bread with one another, that they prayed together, uh, they spent time doing outreach. We see first and foremost what happens in verse 42 is that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. When Jesus gave his great commission for <clears throat> his followers to go out into the world, what did he say? He said, go out into all the world and help people connect with me, baptize them, and what? Teach them to obey everything that I have taught and commanded you. And so this is what the apostles did. After Jesus had ascended back into heaven, they go out and they begin to teach. They begin to teach those who were gathered around first the the 120, then the 3,000, and then by extension all those people who would come on in. And look at what happens, as we see here, and and pay close attention to what Luke says. He says that they devoted themselves then to that teaching. Now, it's easy to read that and just say, okay, what they did is they liked to sit around and listen a lot. The apostles probably had a lot to say and probably were very excited, and so they wanted to teach. But that's actually missing out on some of what we see. Part of the problem with our English Bible is the translation, and I think By just looking at that word devoted, we miss out on the fullness of what it could mean. The word here that's translated from the Greek actually means they continually persevered in the apostles' teaching. And so when I read that and understand what Jesus was calling his apostles and all his disciples by extension to do, I see that what they did is they taught and then obeyed. The people went out and actually began putting the teachings into practice in the temple courts, at home, and as they gathered in public spaces with one another. A church that believes the Bible, and a church where the Bible is taught clearly, and where the Bible is elevated to the utmost importance, is great. But what's even better is when a church is a people who lives out what's taught. believed. Todd, our board chair, once asked me, what's the greatest gift that someone could ever give you, Kyle? And my response was this, for someone to just do what they believe. And I don't mean that as a criticism. This isn't saying that there aren't people doing what they believe, but what I mean is this, that I think the best thing that would minister to my heart and soul would be to see people doing What Jesus is calling them to do would be for people to actually believe in the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. That when they heard a teaching from scripture, whether they read it on their own in a Bible study or here on a Sunday, that they went from that conviction and went out and lived out what those scriptures taught. That would be the greatest gift that we could actually give to one another. Because imagine the momentum and the excitement that that would bring. As each of us actually went out empowered by the Holy Spirit. Doing what Jesus called us to do. And then we came back to this place on a Sunday. Or to our community group midweek. And we shared about what God was doing. It would get us excited. We would be encouraged. It would encourage others to do more of the same. This is what I think helped the early church they actually joined in on god's mission they joined in on what people would say my hope for us as a church is that we would not be known as a bible believing church but we would be known as a bible living church do you obey do you do the things that you say you believe well, one of the things that the Jesus' early church did is they decided to put in some of this, to, some of this into practice and they began to fellowship. We, receive, we see that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and then they fellowshiped. And there's an expansion on this in verses 44 to 46. We read, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. You know, sadly, I think this has become really a diluted thing in church today. We say, oh, we got together for fellowship, when really what we mean is we got together, someone told a joke, a few people laughed, a few other people decided to talk about last night's game, and then we went home thinking that we've spent time with friends. That's not what fellowship is at all in the New Testament. That's not what we read about in scripture. In fact, every time that you read the word fellowship in the New Testament, what you'll see is that someone is sharing something. Someone is giving of themselves to someone else or joining someone in the circumstance that they find themselves in. Jesus' followers, when the church was first established, didn't settle at coffee and cookies and called that fellowship. That's really basic hospitality. But what they did is they joined together, believing what Jesus had taught, that everyone was given from God some things and some circumstances so that they in turn could give to others. In Romans 12.5, we read, In Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Fellowship is really when we give all of ourselves to someone else so that all of us can be built up together. In our hyper-individualistic age, this is uncomfortable. We don't want to give all of ourselves, especially in these days where things seem a little dicey and it's a little harder to know what's next. It's a lot easier to hold something back of our time, our energy, our resources, so that we protect me instead of what we see as scriptural when we all invest in we. The root idea that we will see throughout the book of Acts when it comes to fellowship is that we all have everything in common and that we share and that we give especially to help those in need. The true life of being a person of the body of the church is a costly endeavor, but it's something that brings a great depth. When we all serve, when we all give, we grow in connection to one another. And I've seen this time and time again. And in fact, generally, one of the places I like to start when someone says I feel disconnected at church is for me to ask, well, do you serve and do you give? Because I'll tell you, we're not just inviting you into something as an obligation, we're inviting you into a greater experience of what it means to be part of the church body. And I've seen this put into action in the last number of weeks. For instance, last weekend, we had to start the process of this construction project that's called our church right now by pulling up all the carpet. And so 25 people, 21 adults and four kids all gathered after church and for four hours began to pour out their sweat and energies into pulling up all this old carpet. And as we did that, what each person did is they invested into this community. Not just in the sense that they saved the church thousands of dollars, which that accomplished, but they also invested into sharing an experience with one another of serving the church. By helping us to be good stewards of our finances, by helping us to create this to be a more beautiful place, each person offered themselves towards something bigger than their Sunday afternoon. And it was awesome. I got to see people who had very little in common, some people who had never met before, interact with one another and grow in relationship and share in this vision of what it could mean to be the church community. Another story that I know of is a a few weeks ago, a community group found out about some person in our church in financial need. And so they got together and they decided to each chip in to be able to help provide this person with some groceries and to meet some of their basic utility bill needs. And as they do that, what was incredible is not only did the person who received that sort of financial gift basket get benefit, but everyone who was in that community group was able to say, man, we feel so much more connected. It felt so good to give. And it added a dimension and a depth to community. Those who give of their tithes and offerings and have seen that put into action have seen and known the value that they bring. We can't come to a buffet of church and expect experience and community unless we serve and give. And as the disciples, what we read in scripture did, that as they did that, what they also did is they made one thing central. The death and resurrection of Jesus. We read that the apostles devoted themselves to the teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. In verse 46 we read, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and then they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, there's a great theology, I believe, in us sharing a meal together. I think God gave us food to help us connect with one another. But greater than just an average meal, the act of communion, of breaking bread, that's what this word is is associated with. That's why the two terms are separated. eat ate together and broke bread together. This breaking of bread together, this reenacting what Christ did at the Last Supper as he broke the bread and shared this is my body this represents my body which will be broken for you as he served the cup to them and said this will be my blood poured out for the new covenant the new promise i have for relationship with you as they did that as they participated in this regularly what happened is it intensified their experience of knowing and loving god We call this act of breaking bread communion for two reasons. One is it helps us commune with God. It helps us connect and relate and remember him. But the second thing it does is it helps us commune with one another. The Apostle Paul, when he teaches the church in Corinth about the breaking of bread, he says we do this to proclaim Jesus' death and resurrection. We don't proclaim that to an empty room. We don't proclaim it just to ourselves. We proclaim it to the people we are with. If you've ever had an opportunity to take communion on your own, it's a powerful experience. But when we do it with one another, we see not just the meaning of Jesus for ourselves, but we see the meaning of Jesus for all of us. And that makes me really able to see and believe how big our God is. Because I know how much he died for for me. And I know some of you. And I know he died for you and had to cover a lot of sin too. And as we multiply that for not just the people in the room, but for the church globally, we are able to say, how great is our God? I love this guy. He loves me. There's an depth. That will carry over for eternity. This is why they do this and participate in that. We celebrate communion together monthly. And I wish for one Sunday that every single person who came to this church would all come for our communion service. Because I believe it would be an incredibly powerful message for us to serve one another. By showing that these are all the people Christ died for. we don't just have to do it on a Sunday. I would encourage this actually to be a practice we carry with us into other spaces and places. We see that the disciples did this in their homes. We can do this in our community groups. We can do this when we have family and friends who are believers who come over for dinner. We can do this when we're one-on-one meeting at a coffee shop. We could do this in all sorts of places. We can serve one another and help other people to experience more of Jesus by taking communion more regularly together. And so we see that's another one of the logs on the fire. The next one is that the church prayed. In verse 42, of course, we, re- we read that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and then to prayer. Prayer is a powerful thing. Let me read you three scriptures that will just give a small taste of what prayer and community can mean. Matthew eighteen twenty, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. James five, sixteen, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. Second Corinthians ten, four and five, for the weapons of warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strife. God invites us to do something as a community which is to bring healing and a breaking of spiritual strongholds through praying with one another. Why does our prayer have power? Because when we gather in God's name, when we invite him to work, he is there in our presence and he can work. This isn't just something that can be done with a pastor or elder. This is something that can be done by any one of us or any group of us if we would pray in Jesus' name. Being prayed over is something that is wonderful to receive. Every single one of us would benefit from having a time where someone prays over us. But there's also great benefit in praying over someone else. On Sundays when we gather to pray up at the front, one of the things that I most receive on those Sundays is being able to pray. Because it's an invitation by the Holy Spirit to not just work in their life, but to work in and through me. It helps me to raise in my belief. It helps me to, to grow in my conviction, especially when I end up seeing the answers to those prayers. When we pray with one another, we get invited into other places where God works. And as God works in those spaces, as we hear those stories because we've been praying and following up for, with one another, we get to have a greater view of what God is doing in the world. You know a lot of people will share on a Sunday after you say how's it going and they say fine and you say really how are you doing and they say not so good. A lot of us will do that and it's a good thing but what I would love to see is if in those moments and different times of needs we would go a little bit deeper by stepping in to pray and not saying hey I'll pray for you later this week but praying for them right in this moment and And i'm not perfect at this i in fact i even failed in this today but i would encourage us to do more of this to invite god to work in our midst here in this place by us praying for one another so together each week we can bring these different pieces we can bring ourselves and our obedience to the teaching of god to build into this place and share how God is at work. We can build in by throwing a log on the fire of fellowshipping, of genuinely giving of ourselves and what we have to one another. We can build through taking part in communion and celebrating the community that God has saved. We can build the fire by continuing to pray with one another. And as we do these things, we will see a vibrancy And power of the faith like we have not seen before. But we have to remember that it's not just for here in this place. The fifth log that we see that the disciples bring to the fire is that they participate in outreach. The thing is that, that Jesus' disciples were called to go. Not just to Jerusalem, but to Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And some of them get it unfortunately we'll read and when we get to Acts chapter 8 that some of the church has to get persecuted before they leave this campfire huddle and hopefully we don't need to experience that on our own today but we see that what they did is they that's and some of them got this is that as they built the fire and as they gathered with other believers they then dipped in their torches to the campfire so that they could go out into the community and bring light to those who were in the darkness. In verse 43, we read that everyone in the community was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And in the second part of verse 47, we read, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What God did for the 3,000 people after Peter's sermon what God continued to do for people day after day as the church reached out and lived in a different way and brought the message and hope of Jesus, God began to bring people in. As the church began to give to the needy in their community out of their own pockets, as they began to perform spirit-empowered ministry, those in the community were filled with awe at the God who loves and saves. And through the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, they were added to their numbers every single day. Unfortunately, a lot of us come to the buffet of church. We take and eat. Or maybe we even bring a few dishes and it's a little bit more like a potluck. But then we just keep it in the room and we forget to go out in Jesus' name. You know, it's easy to look at this as well and just say, man, but they had miracles. There was something to actually have awe and wonder of, and I think that's missing the point entirely. For starters, I believe that there is biblical example for why we can believe in God doing the miraculous today. I believe there's outlines for us to see and a biblical mandate to bring that news. But I also just believe that God has called us to a perpetual ministry to everyone who lives in the darkness. And we have to trust that he will meet those in need through us. On, these note, on this note of outreach, I also just want to uh, invite you to consider the power of an One of the things that happened in the early church's lives is they were so compelled by who Jesus was that they went and invited everyone else in. We read that this is the case that has cascaded down through church history to us today. Jesus gave a simple invitation to the apostles and the Holy Spirit worked in their lives to call them to follow him. The apostles did this in the streets to those who were gathered for Pentecost. And we see that 3,000 people were added to them that day. The disciples continued to go out and offer healing in Jesus' name. And day after day again, as they invited other people in, people were saved each day. And that continues from that day forward. The question is, will we be people who commit ourselves to inviting others in? Chances are that you are here today because at some point you received an invitation from someone else. If we don't put out the invitation, we miss out. God's still going to be accomplishing his plan. He's still going to be working in the world. He's still going to be reaching those he wants to reach. The question is, do we want to be a part of it? Do we want to get to experience that? Do we want to grow in our own faith as we participate in what God's doing in the world? Well, if we want to see the church grow, we got to invite. We got to invite people into a changing relationship with the Savior of the world. We've got to invite people into healing through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to invite people in just practically, if you want to see numeric growth, to join in and see what it's all about. The only way the church grows because of us is if we invite them in. Now in each of these things, again, I'll just be clear. The Lord is the one at work. And that should bring us incredible comfort. We can screw up, we can trip up in our words, we can mess up all the invitations, we can even miss the opportunity to pray or to serve or to give or to invite, but God will still accomplish it. Remember what it says at the end of verse 47 there, and it's the Lord who adds to their number daily. Again, we just get to consider whether we will accept his invitation to come on it. You know, I believe that every single person in this church was brought here for a reason. Because I believe in the power and sovereignty of the God that we serve. And I believe that he designed you and me and brought us to this place not to consume, but to give. To see our fire built to see the passion for our, 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 our love of the living God, to see our growth where people experiencing healing and a change of heart and life, to see people brought in to knowing God's presence. I believe that God brought every single one of us here today so that we could hear this invitation to go and to serve. If you want a better sense of vibrancy, if you want a better and deeper sense of community and connection if you want to see the church grow in all the ways that that could mean i would invite you to ask yourselves what am i doing in way of bringing each of these five logs to the church today this week this month this year are you committed to the teachings of jesus and are you living them out Every single one of us should be studying scripture so that we can learn how to live. If you're not already doing this, I would encourage you that after you read your Bible, any time after you hear a message taught on a Sunday, after you've gone to community group and studied a pastor, whatever it is, at the end of every one of those opportunities, ask God, so what should I do? Because we're called to obey the things that he has taught. Are you contributing financially and through serving? If you are, thank you. Thank you for your investment into the church. But if you're not, this is something you should consider being a part of. Because this will build your sense of community this will build the value of our church so we can reach out to those in need if you want today after the service you can give it the connect us this is our offering side it gives an example of how you can give and invest and the reason we share this with you is to receive the benefit that comes from us investing in what god's doing I shared the story of that community group who was able to give to that person in need. I also was able to have a great conversation this week. There's a crisis pregnancy center in our community that is not religiously affiliated. They're not here to to stop abortions. They're not here to uh, perpetuate the teachings of the church. But they called me this week because they said, can we still send people to your church? Absolutely. (laughs) Bring it on. Will you guys still provide those uh, pantry hampers? Absolutely. Thank you. And then she said to me, you know, none of us go to your church. Most of us don't agree with Christianity at all, but we have seen the impact of your church on our community by how you serve these women in need. Many of you never will get the privilege and the joy that we get each week as women come into our doors to ask for a pantry box, but your giving makes a world of difference. We had a woman this week who broke down in a car as her social worker drove her to this place for her to get groceries because she couldn't feed her kids. We do not just that, but exponentially more. And the depth of your heart and your love for people in the community to know what God has done. You have an opportunity to play a part. I'd invite you to serve. It's the best way to grow in friendships and community. Like I say, it was such a great time to 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 pull up carpet to have those conversations. It's a great time to to serve on a team every Sunday, and and I'd invite you to do that. Your role might never be public, maybe it will. Your, your role might be something totally different, but whatever God has given you, he has given you these gifts, these passions, these abilities so that you can build our church. You often hear us say, hey, we would love for more Sunday school teachers or nursery workers or worship team members. And, and a lot of the times what we hear is we want people who don't have or who have the giftings that I don't have. But what I want to say to you is this, we don't know how God has gifted every one of you, but we know that he has gifted you in a way that our church needs. And so we invite you to reach out, to let us know what skills and abilities, which passions, what gifts that God has given you so that we can figure out how to use those things to build up the church in Jesus' name. You have a purpose, you have a place to give and to serve. I would encourage you as well to make it a regular place to take part in communion and prayer ministry with other believers. Take part on the regular. Don't just leave it to a Sunday. Sunday is a great place, but don't just leave it part of the service. Do it in the front entrance, down in the gym, upstairs in kids ministry. Do it out in the parking lot. Do it in your community group throughout the week. Get together with some friends and family from the church and just spend some time praying and taking communion. And in doing that, you will serve one another. You will fan the flame for each other. And finally, don't forget to commit yourselves not to keep it all in this place. Reach out into our community in the name of Jesus, because God is working there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And God, it's amazing how we can just read this description of something that happened long ago but know that there's an invitation into much more. God, I pray that we would be a church that would be known as being more than Bible-believing, but we would be a Bible-living church. And so, God, I, I pray that you would work in each of us today to see the places that we need to go a little bit deeper. Heavenly Father, I just feel this this growing conviction for our church to be a church that prays. And so, God, I just pray that you would give me regular reminders to pray in every moment where I hear brokenness and hurt. God, for that to be an invitation to step in with the work of your spirit to accomplish what you want to do, to see strongholds broken, to bring healing take place in those times and spaces. Heavenly Father, for each one of us, would you illuminate to us how we can grow in bringing the logs to the fire because we want to see your church grow and we want to see you glorified. Even now, Lord, as we turn to singing, I pray that our voices would be amplified in a supernatural way so we would hear the praises of one another and that would encourage us today. So we thank you for this time. We thank you for this word. We thank you for your leading. And we look forward to more of your kingdom coming, to more of your will be done in Abbotsford as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.